0: Okay, for people who are going to be listening to this episode of the Florida Podcast, if you are expecting an overreaction to a pissed-off bunch of guys right here from me and Chris, that's not going to happen tonight. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely not going to. We're disappointed, yes. We're not pissed off. Gr- credit, the Flyers lost 4 nothing in Game 1 of the second round to the New York Islanders by a score of 4-0. They're down 1-0 in the series, and yes, there's some... Um, Bad things that happened in tonight's game, but there's also some positives to look into. But, like, it feels like we're speaking a broken record right now. So, before we get into this, welcome back to the Florida Podcast. I'm your host, Domingo Gracia, my partner, Chris Mayer. So, it's, like I said, it's it feels like a broken record right now that just consistently <clears throat> being replayed over and over again. How much longer can we just say that the top guys need to start scoring? It's basically, that's the thing every single game right now. It, it's been evident as well in today's game. The Flyers got away with their top guys not scoring. They're really, the only guy that showed up was Jake Voracek against Montreal. The Flyers got away with that in the first round. You're not going to get away with that in the second round, especially against a much better team in the Islanders. So the top lot guys need to start scoring. You need Konechny, Hayes, and granted, those guys had a much better game today. That line, I felt like, was the best line on the ice. You need Couturier, who had a bad game today. Drew needs to wake up. Because um, basically, you're going to be seeing on Twitter, probably throughout this series until he starts scoring, basically you're going to have Drew's picture on a milk cart and saying, if, if, have you seen me? If you found me, please contact this sp- specific person. That's basically to be Claude Drew for the next few future until he scores in this series. It's, <laughs> it's basically it's it, like I said it's a broken record at this point. And just Chris, like how much how much more can we just continue to say the top I, guys need to score? How how much longer? Like
1: I like, would like for this game to be the last game for us to say it, but is that like is that going to happen? Like I I don't know. I mean to be honest, it's it's just like you know, I mean I I really don't know what what they're supposed to do with it. I mean, they've tried to me, I think they've done everything that they they should. I mean, it's just Yeah, I mean, okay, okay, so going in the beginning, you know, they didn't shoot much, started to shoot more, it started the common games five and six and, and even tonight and it's just like, dude, like these guys couldn't hit water if they thought of a boat. It it like it it's just uh, I I don't know what it is and I wish that I knew the answer. Because, again, it, you can tell they're frustrated, especially guys like, you know, Me, Giroux, I mean, it, it, literally everybody, I'm sure they're frustrated. Um, but, again, you know, there is a reason why this team hasn't lost back-to-back games since January 7th, and there's also a reason why, you know, the playoffs are a seven-game series. If this is one game we're talking about here. I'm not going to, and, and as we said, you know, about the overreaction, I'm not going to sit here and... You know, say and, you know, and and say everybody had a piss poor performance and, and, and whatnot, because I don't think everybody played bad. I think there was actually a lot of positives out of this game, which I'm sure we'll get into. But again, it's just, you know, that to me, that's the bottom line. It's it's a horrible first period that kills you because it's so costly. And then you have just a team like New York that is so good at, you know, playing in front. And, you know, it's rare when they, you know, give up where they blow leads and things like that. I mean, it's not like it's going to happen all the time where the last game the Flyers played the Islanders, they came back from 3-0 and ended up losing the game. But but still, you get what I mean. It's like they, they, for some reason, against the Islanders this season, going back to the regular season, and I'm not comparing anything, I'm just saying in general, they have not had a consistent 60-minute effort against the New York Islanders season. And it is also the only team they have not beaten in the Metropolitan Division. So I don't know what it is. Is it you think to me I think it's just the way Barry trots is um you know it and and there's obviously a lot of things that that come with it as well but let's uh let's break this one down sadly they
0: ended up they, they didn't win the night um but again as I said I think there's a lot of positives that you can dig out of it Exactly. There's definitely a lot of positives to take out of this game. And also just mentioning, like you say, Barry Trotz right there, and I do believe Barry Trotz. It's it's definitely the the effect that he has on the Islanders and why they play so good, why they play such a structured team game. And that was completely evident in this series. And this, this series is going to be the battle of who's the better coach right now. And like if you would say an overall standpoint, I would say Barry Trotz is the better coach than Elaine Vigneault, but both were equally good coaches. But It's going to be this is going to be a coaching series and who can adjust properly. And it's Elaine Vigneault's turn to adjust in game two to get his team better prepared for game two to tie this series. So breaking down this game, like you said, Chris, the start was terrible. It was a completely awful start. The Flyers were not ready from the get go. The Islanders pounced on every single opportunity that the Flyers basically gave them. Flyers were turning over the puck in their own zone. Islanders were doing a good forecheck. They were getting into the dirty areas. They were getting those. They were winning the board battles, and they're the puck was basically in the Flyers' zone 24 seven in this period. The Flyers had their chances. Don't get me wrong, but the Islanders it was all Islanders, and that starts early on in the first five six minutes of the game. The Islanders are setting up in the zone. The f- goes right to the p- puck goes right to the point, and it's Andy Green from the point taking a slap shot. Goes right by Carter Hart. He had no chance at this. He couldn't see the puck at all ends up in the back of the net, it's one nothing Islanders. And funny thing too, this is Andy Green's first goal in the playoffs since 2010, and granted, his last goal in the playoffs was against the Flyers when he was on the New Jersey Devils in that 2010 first-round matchup when the Flyers beat the Devils in five games. So, who knows what happens during that, but, eh, it's a little bit of the history right there. So Andy Green gets the first goal, and it continues to be Islanders throughout this period. Kevin Hayes does get a breakaway in this period, and Kevin Hayes did the right thing on this breakaway. He tried to get Varlamov moving because I believe he did not have the shot on this breakaway. So if he gets the goalie tender moving, he could do a little fancy move to get the puck by him. And he had the five all open. And unluckiness happens to Kevin Hayes, and he fumbles the puck and it goes to the end boards. That's just unlucky. He had a
1: And that's what I mean when I say that this team has done puck luck either. It's like so it's, it's, it's a rolling puck. They hit a post.
0: It's like Jesus Christ. I I just don't know what it is at this point. Yeah, I, I just basically it's it's unluckiness at this point. And that's basically the most unlucky you can get right there. So Kevin Hayes, he gets the chance. He can't he can't he fumbles the puck on the breakaway. The Flyers, they get some rushes going the other way, but they really can't generate anything. Varlamov didn't really have much work to do in that first period. It was basically all Islanders, like I said. And shots in that period were 15-4 to in favor of the Islanders. So that basically just described the the Islanders taking control of that period. And the Flyers, they take a late penalty in this period. Around like 30 seconds left, Derek Grant gets an interference called on him. And the Islanders, they get a power play going into the second period. And going into that second period, the Flyers, they kill it off. And the Flyers, they have a much better period. Basically, it's the complete opposite. They do a complete 180 instead of being all islanders it was all flyers this period the flyers were getting pucks into the zone they were getting it deep they were setting up plays they were they were getting chances claude drew had a great chance on a one timer from the slot and varlamov made the save and just like the flyers had chances in this period they were the dominant team they were the one controlling the pace of the play but it felt like to me that the islanders they were just the ones that they were kind of doing what the Flyers did to Montreal in games 3 and 4. They were keeping them to the outside. They were keeping them to those low, dangerous chances. The Flyers had their share of dangerous chances, but Varlamov was there to make the save. But a lot of the stuff was more from the point, more from the outside, from the weird angles. And Varlamov was there to make the saves, and the Islanders were blocking shots today. They blocked a ton of them. I think they blocked at least like 20-something, 22 shots in total for the Islanders in this game and blocked shots. So they were getting in the lanes. They were taking away the shots. They were taking away the passes. They made it hard on the Flyers, but the Flyers, they still were the dominant team. They just couldn't find a way to score. They couldn't. And it sucks because you find all that way to get some type of momentum going your way. And you still cannot find a way to get the puck into the net. Like, I don't know if that's disheartening or that's like, okay, we got a good period here, boys. Let's go right after the next period. We're definitely going to get one in. Like, it's weird. Because yeah. the Flyers, they were just a dominant team, and they just couldn't get it by. They couldn't. To me, I feel like that's just hockey. It is.
1: It's it's just like, it's just one of them things where you have so much momentum, and then you get a goal like that. It just, it really deflates everything. That's what I'm talking about. But one thing I want to go back to the first period is, like, yeah, the Flyers had four shots, but they had, a, you know, two breakaways, a couple two-on-ones, and they can't score either. So... It's also, yeah, you get minimal shots, but if you if one of those goes in, it's a 1-1 game, and you have minimal shots on goal in a period where you were terrible in. It so is. that's another thing, too. I mean, like I, like one play, for instance, Konechny is wide open on the side of the net, and I, I think the puck like deflected to him or it came out. I, I don't remember the exact play, but it deflects. And Konechny, it, he, and it, it was a slam dunk wide open net. He tries to pass over to Hayes at the side of the net, and I think if he waits like a, a second or two, he's got a goal. It, it's just like those little things can can really hurt you in a game, and especially going back to that that first goal the Islanders scored there in the first period. It was, you know, it's a couple turnovers of the line. They keep the puck in. Sanheim makes some stupid play where he just wants to reach for the puck instead of, again, moving his feet and getting the puck and getting it out. And I think that was one of the reasons why Phil Myers was so pissed after the goal. Because I think he realized that Sanheim could have took the extra step and got the puck out when he just swiped it. I believe it was to was it Bailey who passed that? I can't remember who it was. But uh, again, it's just like little things like that 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 can kill and 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 they can really kill you and and you know it hurts because again it's just something that I wish you know if the Flyers could just take that extra step and not always want the pretty play all the time they the
0: the stat sheet would look a lot better overall in these playoffs. And definitely. And also like one of those chances for connecting in the first period, it was like a, a little bit of a, a, a three on two push right there. Kevin Hayes had a connecting setup with a wide open net and Andy Green made a really good ch- chance at blocking that shot from connecting because connecting had a wide open net to shoot at. Yeah, Green actually did block that shot. And going back to what you said about the blocks, they did have 22. You're correct on that. Yeah, it's just New York. They were getting in those shotting shooting lanes and the Flyers, they, they were basically just making the Flyers frustrated all night. And when you have a ton of momentum in that second period, you think you would bring it into the third. The Flyers did, but it ends up turning into bad luck going the other way because you get Sandheim and Myers down behind the Flyers net. You get the Islanders four-checking in there. And the the four-check is going to make the defenseman lose the puck because the Islanders win the puck battle. And then you get a wide-open Jean-Gabriel Pajot, wide-open in front of Carter Hart, and he buries it. And... You're looking at that moment right there. Would you like to save from Carter Hart? Yes, but it's not his fault on that play because I'm who is the guy that's not covering Pajo on that play? It is Sean Kature. What is Sean Couture doing on this play right here? Yeah, he is it's focusing him on Sanheim and Myers. I mean, why yeah. are both of your defensemen behind the net? And why is Sean Kature focusing on the board play when he should be covering the guy that's in front of the net to make yeah. sure if it's... a puck comes out of that, that board play, it doesn't go Yeah, right.
1: like that, that goal that reminds me of the Suzuki goal from game 5.
0: Exactly. It's just
1: like, yeah, everybody will pinpoint the one guy, but it's also the other two that messed
0: up before that play even happened. It's just, it's just, oh my god. And Sean Couturier, just in general, did not have a good game tonight. No. It, it
1: Honestly, is... by by games that I remember of Coots actually playing bad in, I went to, I, 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 it was the last game the Flyers ever played at Nassau Coliseum, the the original Nassau Coliseum. It was on a MLK Day in. 2015, and if you know, the Flyers were absolutely terrible this year, and uh, they ended up losing this game 7-4, and Couture was a minus 5. That's honestly the only game I remember Kouts being that bad, and by like, and when I say only game, I mean like vividly, and I'd, ha- I'd literally have to go back and look at a stat sheet and say, oh my god, he was terrible that night. That's literally honestly the only game that I remember him being that bad. And I'm not saying he was that bad like he was in that game because obviously they didn't give up seven goals either. But again, it was just there was just something off from him. I think they said his Corsi percentage for the season was like a 56. He was like a 35 tonight of just like getting the puck in the zone
0: and things like that. It was just horrible. Yeah, He wasn't good in the defensive zone. He was fumbling the puck a lot in the neutral zone. He had trouble getting it into the offensive zone. He had that one great chance in the third period where he redirected a pass from Claude Drew and it just went right off the post. It was just like, oh my! Can he catch a break? Like, can, like, can, hockey gods! Can you just let Sean gatori have something? Just like, have something to where he can wake up, because he desperately needs it. This the top six needs it. Basically, I would say besides check, because he's the only guy that's woken up. Yeah, Drew, Drew needs and, it. Couturier needs it. They all need it. Yeah,
1: and and again, I'm I don't I'm not gonna harp on the guys because I know that they're frustrated and everything, and I know they can do it as well. They're, these guys are good players for a reason. And they're paid like that for a reason as well, because you know that they can play better in big moments. And, and, and I and I just I still I still just love it that everybody wants to, you know, put again put team issues and blame it on one guy. Like like uh, there was arguments on Twitter about oh well Drew not scoring. Well yeah you could also
0: blame Hayes, Konechny, Couturier. You Couturier. Know, there's four well,
1: other guys, four or five other guys with every argument that you could that you could blame.
0: Drew's and gonna it, get most of the hate because he has the C on his chest. Well, and to that's me, that where everyone that got direct mean to jack shit right now.
1: To me, that doesn't mean a single thing. Because no. it's again, it's a team issue. And it's the same thing with the defense as well. It's it's a team issue. And I'm not saying the defense is bad. I'm just saying at times with the goals like that, it's 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 a team issue, and it's you know, not just one guy. There's five guys on on the ice. And that's why there, you know, there's 18 skaters. So again, it's not just one guy that isn't doing anything. You know, it, it's it's different if we're talking about scoring goals, but it's another thing if we're gonna, you know, harp on one guy like everybody's known with guys like Ghost and, and JVR and things like that. So again, I think there, I think it's different things, and, and again, it's to me, it looks like it's like, I don't know, I just feel like there's always been the harp on Drew
0: just because he's the captain, which I I just, I just never see. It's been like that for, basically ever oh, yeah. since the ever since Drew was named captain, all that pressure was laid on him. Yeah. Base, ever since Peter Laviolette labeled Claude Giroux as the best player in the world, that's what base. I think that's where people are getting those expectations from because when they see the sea on Claude Giroux's chest, they feel like that he has to be Sidney Crosby every time he's on the puck. That, that's that's what they expect from him, and that's not what's going to happen because that's not Claude Giroux. He's not Sidney Crosby. As people just sometimes they have uh, unrealistic expectations for certain players and they have those unrealistic expectations from Drew, even though, like, the frustration right now with Drew is, is honestly deserving because he's not scoring, but like you said, Chris, a lot of that frustration can go towards the rest of the team, too. The top six is not scoring, besides Voracek. So a lot of frustration could be thrown on other players, too, besides, like, the one specific guy. Yeah. So it's...
1: To me, like, is it me, or is it, like, another thing where it's, like, everybody wants to just, like, make it where they lose one game and, like, they're done. <laughs> like, like, like I've, I've literally, I've never seen a fan base lose a game. Mind you, the first game of a seven-game series, right? I've never seen a team or a, a fan base of a team, you know, be that, like, so, I, I, I can't even think of the word of it, like, It just seems like they're so like like nobody's confident at all. Like like we haven't seen this team like break you know many records and play unbelievably different hockey than what we've seen for the past almost decade, and we still think that it's the same Flyers from years ago when it's not. It's just it's one thing when you play like that consistently, but this team doesn't play like that consistently. Like there's a as I said like there is a reason that this team hasn't lost back to back games since. January 7th. There's a reason for that. And again, th- they're a good team. They know how to respond. And that's how teams in the playoffs are able to win is that, you know, you're able to bounce back and respond. I mean, I'm, I mean, I look at, I'm watching this avalanche Dallas game right now. Uh, it, it was one, nothing when we started this and it is now two to two as the avalanche got a power play goal and Dallas got a, two goals on a five on three. But again, I'm looking at it like, you know, the Avs, they they're dominating this game. I mean, they're, they're playing really good. And that's the thing. They're good. They're a good team, and they're bouncing back. So again, that's how. And the, and everybody looks at Colorado like they're you know like they're uh, Stanley Cup uh, Stanley Cup favorites. So again, it's just like, to me, there's a lot of things that go into it like that. And like, I I just never understood the, the just it, it's just the. And to me, it's just—it's really just Flyers Twitter, which is so aggravating. Which is why, if you notice, I really don't tweet much on Twitter. I kind of just promote my stuff, and that's it. Or I like, you know, talk to just just to have conversations with people. I don't really like, you know, flip out over anything because, to be honest, it's just—it's just so aggravating because it's because I know like one night, you know, they're, they're a championship favorite, and the next night they're they should be the worst team in the league.
0: It's just, I, there's no consistency with it. Uh, yeah. Twitter is Philadelphia Sports Twitter is just like on loads of dumpster fire right there. Jeez. And the Flyers, it's not even the worst. The Flyers Twitter is nowhere close to the worst. No. I, it's Tw- Sixers Twitter. Oh, my. If, it, if you look at Sixers Twitter, Sixers Twitter is, oh, I have to think Phillies is bad. No, no, Phillies is nowhere close. Like Sixers and Eagles Twitter, that's the top. That that's the worst, right there. Well, I'd have to think the Eagles are worse, honestly. Just because
1: it's just because it's the Eagles. And honestly, that's honestly a great point that you said to me before the show about how you think that, uh, how you said that um, you know they they look at one game like it's football.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's a football town for a reason. Uh-huh. So, like, I guess some people they have most people have that mindset. You lose one game, yeah, you're done. You win one game, oh, you're winning the championship. It's just a mindset because one game means so much in football, to where the rest of the sports—basketball, hockey, and baseball—one loss doesn't mean that much because you have so many other games to make up for. Football, you don't. So, uh, it's it's weird. Philadelphia is a weird town. I love it to death, but it's a weird town. So, going into the rest of the game, the Islanders, they got two goals at the end here. You got halfway through the period, you got a really nice play from Matthew Barzell. Proveroff and Matt Niskanen, they're making the right plays right here, trying to get the other two guys to the sides, Barzell and Eberly. But Barzell just makes the perfect cross-crease pass to an open Anders Lee, who just has a wide-open net, buries it, 3-0. And then, if you want to question this, you can but I understand why this happens, so with seven, seven seven and a half minutes left in this game, Alain Medeo decides to pull Carter Hart to get the extra attacker out there, because the Flyers, they have an offensive zone draw. Maybe you can get something going if you have the extra attacker, and you win the face-off. The Flyers do win the face-off, but then the unluckiness happens, because Devon Taves gets the puck off the boards, he hits it, He clears the puck off the glass, and he just gets the luckiest bounce possible, and it goes into the net. It's 4-0, It's how your game ends, and We're not mad. We're disappointed. We're not going to overreact because we're confident. We know this team can bounce back. We all know it. They just, it's just how many times can you say the top guys need to start scoring? The top guys need to start scoring. It's just, like we said, it's going to happen eventually. The question is when is it going to happen? Maybe game two. It's a completely different story. Maybe the Flyers, they can find some, there's definitely, like we said, there's positives like that second period, the way you outplayed the Islanders. If you look at positives right there, Flyers can build off something right there. If the Flyers continue to play like that, the way they did in the second period throughout the rest of the series, they're going to win this series. They just got to do it consistently. Like you said, Chris, they got to be consistent. And that's the key to winning against the Islanders because it's such a tough team to play against. It's such a tough system to play against in Barry trots. So they got to be consistent. And that's going to be, the major key going into the rest of the series. So we got game two on Wednesday at 3 p.m. And this is, it's going to be a weird series because there's a lot of back-to-back. There's two sets of back-to-backs in the series. So you got games two and three are back-to-backs, Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday at three, Thursday at seven. Then you got on Saturday game four, which is a 12 o'clock game on NBC. So it's weird seeing a 12 o'clock game on NBC, but hey, they, they scheduled it like that. I can't complain. And then you got a Monday game for Game 5, that's going to be a 7 o'clock game. And then you get Game 6 and 7 are back-to-backs as well. So we go Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's the way this series is going to line up. And I think the series with Tampa Bay and Boston is the same way. They have two sets of back-to-backs. But in the Western Conference, both series only have one set of back-to-backs. So maybe they want the Eastern Conference series maybe to get over in Dunford quicker so they can travel over to Edmonton. Maybe that's something, but... Not gonna look into that too deeply, but the Flyers, they gotta get business done on Wednesday and be excited to look forward to it. Do you what lineup changes do you expect to happen, Chris? Do you or do you think there's gonna be any?
1: I don't know if there'll be any, but I have maybe this a lineup that I could read off that I honestly would like to see. Uh so still keep that first line, Drew, Kateri Voracek. Second line, uh connect me, Hayes, Faraby. Third line, Aubrey Kubel, uh,
0: Morgan Frost, and Derek Grant. Fourth line, Pitlick, Lawton, and JVR. Interesting. Very, very interesting. I Honestly, I can see guys like Frost getting into the lineup. Maybe Elaine Manier decides to give him a chance. I do expect JVR to be back in the lineup mm-hmm. just because he's a guy that, okay, you lose a game when he's not in the lineup, maybe bounce it back into the next game, maybe see, maybe see if he can get some mojo going right there. So mm-hmm. I do expect that. Do you expect any changes? Do you expect Ghost to come out of the lineup? Do you expect Hay to come back in? What, what do you think right there?
1: Um, hmm. I don't think Ghost was, like,
0: bad. Offensively, he was good, but defensively, he looked a little
1: iffy. Um, I don't know. I mean, as I said before, I mean, the Flyers are a victim of their own system. They have, you know, so much depth, and it's such a great problem to have. Um, to be honest, I'm confident with whatever A.V. does. But um, I mean honestly, I really don't know. I mean, I like Hag. Then again, I I like Ghost at the same time for the offensive edge. Um, I don't know. Do, do you think they would chance it again with the way they only? I mean, there's only two power plays, uh, you know, two power plays in this one with the. I know there's four penalty minutes for both teams, but that was a four-on-four, so. Um, you know, really only two panel, two power plays for each team. Do you really put Ghost in again if that's what you want him for the power play and the
0: offensive edge? If you can't get it, do you go back to Hag? Uh, I honestly, I don't expect Vigneault to make many defensive changes. I think yeah, I he think does that. switch some forwards. I feel like, like you said, he puts JVR into the lineup. Maybe he does take. Maybe he does take a chance and takes Nate Thompson out of the lineup because Nate Thompson just, even though. Like I I don't want to gripe on the guy, but he hasn't been very good in like the past few games, going back to the Montreal series. So maybe you take him out and you put a, maybe a guy like a Morgan Frost in there, maybe to just get a different look right there. So who knows? It's Elaine Vigneault's choice. I trust whatever move he's going to make, and we all we all know this team. They they're confident in themselves that they they know they can bounce back from losses. They just got to do it again. So that's the key going into game to bounce back and don't have that first period again. I think that's also the other key. Don't have that kind of first period again. (laughs) So going into out of the flyers and looking at the other series right now in round twos around the NHL. So right now, Colorado and Dallas are playing right now. Dallas leads that series one games to none. Currently it is three to Dallas. They just scored a goal. So Dallas is up in that game, three to two In other games. From From Sunday night, actually, Boston and Boston Bruins and the Tampa Bay Lightning Day took on in game one of round two. Boston wins that game by a score of three to two. Then you get the Vancouver Canucks and the Vegas Golden Knights in game one of their round two series. Vegas destroys them by a score of five to nothing. So Vegas completely taken it to Vancouver right there. So that's going to be an interesting series going forward, especially also Boston and Tampa Bay. That's going to be a series where two teams just hate each other. So you got the game right now between Dallas and Colorado. They have two minutes left in the second period. And then games that are on tap for tomorrow, Tuesday, August 25th. you got Boston and Tampa Bay once again at 7 p.m. That'll be on NBC Sports Network. And then also game two of the Vancouver Canucks and the Vegas Golden Knights. That'll be at 945. And then for Wednesday, you'll have three games on tap, actually. You'll have at 3 p.m., which will be the New York Islanders and the Philadelphia Flyers for Game 2 of their series. But then you'll also have Game 3 of the Tampa Bay and Boston Bruins series. That'll be their second of a back-to-back. And then you'll get Game 3 of Dallas and Colorado at 10.30. So, in other news around the NHL in regards to the Washington Capitals, Washington, they fired their head coach, Todd Reardon. So, Washington, it was kind of expected that the way they were playing under him, even though Todd Reardon, he's been with the team for a long time. The two first-round exits, two years in a row, there was definitely going to be some type of change, and he was the first guy to go. So there's a lot of head coaches on the market right now. So, Chris, like, who do you think Washington's going to look at more than hiring right now, maybe to get a fresh face right there for the team? you
1: uh, think there's any way they go for maybe Jorgalant? That could be or a possibility. Maybe you got
0: like Peter Laviolette. That that could definitely be a type of possibility right there. Uh,
1: Are there really any other coaches that
0: the, the, maybe Babcock? The, Babcock's also an o- option right there. I think. Well, actually, like, no, no. I think Babcock is actually in college. He went I be- back. I believe he's in college. You think he went? He did he go back to college? I don't remember. I
1: believe he, he did. I, I don't know. It Was it Vermont?
0: I am not entirely sure. I have to, I have to stop now. Um. But I'm not sure.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, in November.
0: Okay. Harris yeah, yeah. yeah. I see. He joins Vermont staff of coaches right there.
1: Uh-huh. I see
0: that right there. But yeah, who knows? He's he's, he's still, he still could get offered for a yeah, job. Yeah, he, right he's a volunteer, so he could he could still go. Yeah, hmm. but I think those are probably going to be the top three, maybe candidates. favorites. Yeah, candidates for the Washington job. Uh Honestly, I can see a guy like Gerard going to Washington. I I could, too. I think that's a built team already where he
1: doesn't really need to do much. Yeah. And another thing is, too, is that it's not like he's going to be real, uh, you know, worried about maybe losing his job a little early. You know, if because he's been rumored to go to Seattle. So if he goes to Seattle, maybe he doesn't have to worry about that because he's already going to a team that, that he knows that can that can contend. To be a top team in the league each year in Washington, and and have those players, um, I know they have a little bit of a hole this off season with what they do with Braden Holpe and and things like that. Um, yeah, I, I don't think, know. I mean, I really I don't
0: know right now with Braden. I don't think Washington's going to re-sign him. I just have that. I feel like they're going to go with Elias Sampson off, like as the future. He's the guy right now, so I don't feel like who, they're going to re-sign Holpe possibly. Who do you think does? That's tough. What team can you look at right now that you can say needs a goaltender? I would Colorado. say Colorado, if yes, if they do get kicked out of the playoffs, maybe this round, maybe they do look at a guy like Holtby, uh, maybe a team like Edmonton, they can go for a guy like Holby. maybe a team like Calgary, they mm-hmm. can go for a Holtby. You can also look maybe honestly, could you factor San Jose in there? as a team looking for a goaltender?
1: Uh, I think so. Yeah, they probably could. I mean, I know Colorado has a lot of cap space, so that was the one team that came to my head. Uh what about a team I'm like Carolina? What about Seattle? If you didn't hear my dad, he said, What about Seattle? <laughs> as my dad is sitting in the back of the room as we're recording this. But um uh well Seattle they come into the league in twenty one twenty two, so he'd have to he's a free agent going into this summer, so he he'd have to sign with a team this year, but um, what about Carolina? Not, what do you think about them? I don't think they want to do that because aren't they kind of tight on cap
0: or am I dumb? I, I'm not entirely sure about that, but who knows? Maybe they can pull something in the offseason. You just never know. But I do feel and, like more likely pulpy goes out West. I just, have I that think feeling. so
1: too. I mean, I think, I just think he needs something different than, than, uh, Washington. Because yeah. I, again, Holby's an amazing goaltender, and he can he can easily you know steal you everything. He's one of the biggest reasons why the Caps won the cup, and I think that's another thing is that they know that he has success. And honestly, if he went to Colorado, that would be pretty cool because he'd be reunited with Grubauer.
0: Yeah, that would be too. That so, also that also would be funny too because Grubauer would lose his job again to Holby. <laughs> that would kind of feel. That would kind of suck. <laughs> that would, and that's the thing. I don't know if uh,
1: if he would you know if he would maybe want to give that up now. Here's one thing I wanted to ask about that, though. Do you think there's any team in the Metropolitan that could maybe go for somebody like that? Ugh, Honestly, tough. this this might sound odd, but I could maybe see the Capitals losing Holpe but trying to get Lundqvist. Oof. Because that could be something where it's like, you know, they're not in... The Caps aren't... Necessarily, are they? I mean, are they really in, like, win mode? I think they're, like, in their... To me, they're in, like, their last... To me, that they are like the Penguins of what they were last season.
0: It's they're kind of, in there like
1: contend one more year, and then I think you know the next year. We'll, I'm sure they'll make the playoffs, but you know what I mean. It's kind of just like yeah. they're they're on their way out at this point. Yeah, so
0: they're in the final stages of their right, like contention and that's the thing. Thing.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing where it's like, could they lose a guy like Holtby and then go for Lundqvist to build up Sansonov and Copley back there to really help out and build them
0: up to be top goalies in the league and have the veteran presence and things like that. Maybe. Because I definitely, I I look around the Metropolitan Division. Columbus, they have Corpus Island versus Lincoln's. I don't think they'll need a Braden Holby. You look at the Rangers, they don't need a Holby. They have Shusterkin in it. The Islanders, they're locked up with Varlamov and Grice. The Devils, they have Mackenzie Blackwood looking into their future. Uh, Carol- Carolina is a maybe because you don't know if Morazik and James Reimer, you just. They're question marks to me right there. Yeah, maybe Carolina me, makes a push.
1: To me, I think the reason why Carolina isn't as good is because of their goaltending. Yes. I don't think Mrazic is as good as what he can, like, what, what I don't think, I think that might just be, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Carolina is a really good defense, which obviously helps out, but do you think there, do you think maybe the Bruins go for something if, you know, it doesn't help out if it doesn't, nothing works out with Rask? And yeah. I, I don't think it will, and I'm, I'm just saying maybe that
0: could happen if that whole situation, which I know it was something with his family, but you never know. Uh, I've also heard rumors that this could possibly be, Rex could possibly retire after this year. I've, I've, I've heard I've, those rumors, yeah. too.
1: Mm-hmm. I've, seen that, I've seen that, too. I mean, he's, he's won a cup, um, and at this point, you know, he's 34 years old. Is there honestly a team that he could go to where it's like they're like contenders and that could Oof. use him like that? Use uh, him as like a starting goaltender to play 60 games, 50, 60 games a year. Probably not. Especially a contender. All the contenders are pretty set with that stuff.
0: Yeah. I think, like, teams that, teams that are technically, like, quote-unquote contenders that could use goaltending are teams like Edmonton. I think they need a starting goaltender. I don't think Koskinen is the guy for the future. Neither is Mike Smith. No. Uh, that's a te- the thing. I think the age doesn't help out with the Oilers either. It doesn't either. Also, with... I would like to say Calgary, but I feel like with with Calgary right now, I feel like they're gonna do a fire sale. I feel like they're just gonna sell house right now. I just have that I have that feeling with that team. They
1: I, I I could see them doing it, but I don't know how much sense that would make because I think they're they're they have the right steps and the right pieces in place. They just need to add a little bit more depth. So, so maybe they go for that, but again, it's like you have guys like Talbot and Riddick. Are those guys like
0: legitimate starters in this league? Probably not and then like like the whole thing with Calgary right now is, like they've been i guess they've been in like win now mode for like the past i would say like since maybe 2015 since... 2016 yeah something
1: it... around that me it, i think it really started to come
0: into effect after their 2017 first round exit yeah like what when they got when they beat Vancouver like i think in 2015 and they made it to the second round of the playoffs like what it was like basically in goodrow's like first or second year That was like when they were starting to get into this like win now mode. Then they were miss the playoffs, make the playoffs, miss the playoffs, make the playoffs this year, make the playoffs again in the qualifying round. And then it's basically just been underperforming. It's their team has been underperforming for like the past few years. And maybe, maybe they get, maybe they trade some guys. Like maybe you see a guy like a Sean Monaghan off the team. Maybe you see a guy like a Johnny Goudreau off the team in the offseason. You just never know. I feel like that's what's going to happen with Calgary they're going to probably sell one of their big pieces. I just have that feeling. Don't count. Don't take my word for it, but I just have that feeling.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can, I could I can honestly see that happening too. I mean, honestly, we really sit here all day and predict what guy's going to go anywhere. But, um, you know, one thing that I was, one team that I was thinking of too, is that maybe you think there's any way that Vancouver can maybe look at Holby? And try I, to pair him with Markstrom.
0: I don't that probably wouldn't make sense. So. No, because they have Demko in there, yeah, and they right, right. And he also got show in the workings too. So they they honestly have a good line of goaltenders coming up. So I don't think they need to worry about a Braden Holtby right now. So yeah, same. That's a good so, point.
1: And I was honestly thinking of um, uh, who was who did I, oh Arizona. I was thinking of Arizona, and they aren't like they have kemper and they
0: also have Auntie Ront, so they're they're okay like they don't need that yeah if you're also if you're listening to this right now Dallas just made it 4 to 2 right now i think they're near the end of the second period i think colorado's trying to challenge the play maybe for a goalie interference i see the head I coach of they colorado i think trying to see if it was an actual clear cut goal and that was honestly a
1: not a bad challenge but just by the way that the stick was over France
0: pad. It's like, that's kind of obvious that's in the net. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's definitely going to be an entertaining end of the game. Most like right now going into intermission with Dallas up four to two. That'll be, let's see if Dallas can make that a two nothing series lead, or if Colorado can make a comeback right there to tie the series at one. But our worries right now, the flyers are down one, nothing in their series to the New York Islanders. And they need to bounce back for game two. We, this team has proved to us many times that they can bounce back. They did it to Montreal. After their two losses, they bounce back after every game. So the Flyers, they just got to do it once again. They got to be confident in themselves and know that they can bounce back. And they just got to be better. The top guys are going to score, and it's basically a broken record at this point because we've been saying the same stuff. So, Chris, do you have any other thoughts going into game two? Any other lingering thoughts that you want to get out there?
1: I just want a full
0: 60-minute start. That's all I want. Yeah. There you go, simple and straight to the point. So we're gonna be pumped up for game two. We will be back here at the Flyer Up Podcast to recap that game as soon as it ends on Wednesday. So prepare for game two, everyone. Prepare for Flyers hockey then, and we will be back here at the Flyer Up Podcast to recap that game for you. So for this episode of the Flyer Up Podcast, I'm your host Amadeo Garcia. He is Chris Mayer. Don't forget to follow us on our social media pages: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Flyer Up Podcast. Also, our YouTube channel, Florida Podcast. So, for this episode, thank you for listening, and we will see you after game two.